All right. Well, good morning. My name is Ricky. I'm the youth director here at Grace. I've been here for a year now, so a little over a year. April um, 1st was a year, I guess, somewhere in April right there. But it's good to see you guys this morning. For those of you who maybe this is your first time, this is a part of what we do every Sunday at Grace. We take, uh, you know, anywhere from six to eight, nine minutes, and we, we pray together as a congregation, as a, as a body. And there's, there's always like a, a central focus, which you'll find in your bulletin. It's called the prayer focus, and it's right there. And you guys will see that the prayer focus this morning is about our graduates. We're praying for them for the the next steps they're going to be taking. We're praying that they'll continue to grow spiritually in their walk with the Lord. We're praying practically that the Lord will give them good friends as they as they go on. Good friends, man, that is that is absolutely something worth praying for. And um, this morning we're celebrating our graduates. We have about six graduates, uh, high school graduates that is, that are that are are here this morning. We're going to be celebrating with them. And I'm going to ask those guys to come up right now, and you guys can go ahead and give them a round of applause as they make their way up here for our six high school graduates. So you guys can come line up right here so everyone can see you and smile real big for them. So we got them as a church. We got them an ESV study Bible. So it's like uh, one of the nice leather type ones. Really good. And uh, so they, they were definitely sending them out with a great resource. And uh, personal little, little plug here for the ESV study Bible. If you guys don't have one, it is worth investing in an ESV study Bible. The articles in that thing alone are just incredible. Not to mention the Word of God, you know, that's in it and the, the notes. It's an incredible resource. So these guys all have one of those now, and we're, we're sending them out with that. So this morning, I just want to tell you their, their names. You've seen these faces. A lot of you have, and you may see them up on stage playing or in the back normally serving in children's ministry, some of them. These guys have been a part of our body and still are a part of our body, and some are staying, some are going off and uh, far away, which makes us sad that we won't see their faces every Sunday night now, but we have new faces that are coming up. We have, I think, six graduating uh, seniors, and we have seven sixth graders moving up to, uh, to youth groups, so that's, that's good, and they're, uh, they're a lot better than you guys, so we'll be good, I think. I think they're going to turn out all right, so... Yeah, no, no, all right. Okay, so this is PJ. PJ, he's, he's graduated. He has some plans. Actually, right immediately, not immediately as in right now, but soon he's heading out this week to go serve at a, at a summer camp for six weeks. So he's asked that you guys pray for him, for his sanity, as he's uh, working at this, at this summer camp for the ne- next six weeks. He has, uh, he has plans to, to, uh, to start college here, here soon at CC. CC. That's not too many C's, is it? CC. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So the community college with all the C's. So he's starting that soon. He asked that you could pray for him about that. Josh Hodgins right here. Josh, you guys have seen both of these guys, I'm sure, in the back in the sound booth. Josh, uh, he graduated back in December, actually. And uh, his plans are he's hoping to get in, uh, start some classes possibly in the fall. Um, either way, though, he has his landscaping business. You guys may have seen his truck out front, his 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 trailer. So um, great resource there. But he, he asked that you guys pray that everything works out with him if he gets into classes. Pray that his customers build up, which gives him resources. So um, we're going to miss uh, Josh being, um, actually, you're not going anywhere, so we're not going to miss you. You'll still be here, right? <laughs> David, David's probably like, Josh is leaving. Oh, who's going to run the sound? No, Josh will still be here, so that's good. 
Harrison down here. Harrison, you've seen him play bass. He's going to be around still. He's going to be going to Campbell. And um, Harrison's asked that you guys could pray for him as he starts classes. He's going to Campbell um, to, to be a part of the osteopathic school. So he's got some intense classes coming up. And he's asked that uh, you guys will pray the Lord to sustain him, that he won't give up um, because things are going to get tough, he knows, um, with, with that. So definitely be praying for Harrison. Encourage him as you see him. And Khalil, and these two guys work at Sunny Skies. You may say, I've seen them somewhere, Sunny Skies. So if, I don't know if you've seen them there. I have, because I visit there a lot. But Khalil, he's going far away. Khalil is going up to New York. He's going to be going to Hofstra. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to miss him, um, absolutely. And uh, Khalil's asked that we pray for him, that, um, that the Lord will just continue to, to sustain him. I'm trying to read my writing here. That uh, that he will con- the Lord will guide him and to to help him just stand strong. Um, who knows what life is going to bring, what the culture's like, where he's going, and uh, that he'll continue to stand firm in his faith. So the Lord will give him good friends as well. Uh, we're praying for Noah. So Noah's graduated from Harnett Central here, and he is he's going to be staying close. Possibly he hopes to maybe take some classes at Wake Wake Tech here soon. But he's also going to serve a year at AmeriCorps is his plan. So he's asked that we could pray for him that things will will work out for that. And um, yeah, the Lord will just guide him, give him direction on what to do in life. Um, he's kind of exploring right right now. So can absolutely pray for Noah. Amanda. Now some of you guys may say I'm not sure if I've seen Amanda. Amanda's been at youth group every every night for at least the past year, at least since I've been here, uh, Amanda comes to youth. Um, so she's part, part of our youth group. Um, her family attends uh, an, another church in the area. So we've been grateful to have Amanda join us on, on Sunday nights in youth. And Amanda, she's actually going down to, to UNC Wilmington, and she's going to be um, a part of the honors school there. And Amanda asks that you guys could pray for her, that the Lord will surround her with Christian friends, and uh, that, that the Lord will guide her as well her, as she takes her next steps. So there's plenty to pray for these guys about. You have, you have their names in their bulletin. And this bulletin, so you can take it home, and you can p- remember their names, and you can pray for them about these things. Um, this week, in a, in a month, you dig up the bulletin, you pray for them again. In a year, you find it, you pray for them again. Some of you probably don't save them for that long, but that you remember to pray for them. Maybe you've written it in your journals. But to pray for these guys. And some of them you'll still see around. Some of them um, going off to like New York and Wilmington. But hopefully they'll be back um, you know, holidays and things like that. Amy's like, I hope he'll be back. <laughs> he'll be coming back, I'm sure, from, from New York. <laughs> so, <laughs> please come back. So, well, let's, uh, let's take a moment and, and pray for these guys. And I've, I've asked one of our um, members of our student uh, ministry leadership team, Beth, to, uh, to pray for all these guys as they, uh, they head out. So, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Beth, if you'll pray whenever you're ready. Well, good morning. To those of you who did not go on the camping trip, I think about half of our church is on the camping trip. They will not be in good moods, most of them, the adults when they come back. (laughs) Kids will have enjoyed it a great deal, but not the adults probably. Yeah, they will too. They will have had a lot of fun. I hear about this every, every, you got back, right, Craig? Okay. You didn't go, but you've been before. The adults will have a good time. I was a camp director for 20 years. Hated camping with a passion. I mean, absolutely hated camp. I mean, I did it when I was a, you know, counselor there at the camp. So I know what PJ's in for these next several weeks. Yeah, okay, you get a cabin. No camping for you. The bears are safe wherever you're going. 
Well, and if you are here for the first time, especially, we extend to you a special welcome. If you've been coming to Grace for all two, three months, and you've never really connected with a lot of people, this day is a great day for you to be here. Immediately after the service, we're going to set up some tables and have pizza, and would love for you to stay. It's called Discovery Lunch. You can just learn a little bit more about grace and about all that goes on here. You can ask questions, meet some of the the elders and uh, home group leaders, and, and, and just explore even further. Is this the place maybe that God wants me to be? We're in a series called A Place in the Family, and we want everyone who is here to feel that place in the family. Um, This morning, I want to talk about age. I mean, age is a relative thing, right? I mean, you're as young as you feel. 30 is the new 20. 50 is the new 40, and on and on you go. Progress in science and medicine, coupled with technological advances and and increased wealth, have led to a remarkable increase in quality of life over the last many years. Just amazing some of the things that have happened. And, and, And in 100 years, in one century, the population of the planet has gone from 1 billion to almost 7 billion people. And there's not one person in this room who did not grow up in a significantly different world than your parents did. Every single one of us grew up in an amazingly different world than our parents did. You think about it. I remember uh, in the 1980s reading a Time Magazine article that said that the Technological advances in the 10 years prior to the article being written had been greater than all of the advances in the world combined. And I just thought, wow. I mean, we're talking about flight, combustible engine, which would have come before that even, um, uh, electricity. Uh, We're talking about antibiotics, vaccines, through dramatic decrease in infant mortality, which is one of the reasons that our population has grown so much. I mean, I knew, you hadn't seen anything in the, in the 80s. You hadn't seen really many advances at all, so you're wondering, what in the world's going on behind the scenes? I knew that there was going to be an amazing change on the way, in the way that, uh, about to occur in the way that we lived I've said this before, sociologists and historians tell us that the internet is one of the top four or five inventions in the history of the world. Now it's hard for us to get our heads around that because we just sort of, it it came with us. And look, your kids are now born texting, you know what I mean? They're already in the the delivery room, They're, they're on their phones and they know what to do with it. If you don't have a five or six year old in your house, you're in trouble with all your television, te- all of that. So you don't know what to do. You have to call a grandchild. Right? And the internet makes experts of all of us, does it not? David Calvert, who did an excellent job last week. Thank you, David, for the, for the ways that you told us our family gets to worship God and the ways that he... Uh, 
calls us as a family to worship him. But David introduced me to a book this past week. He'll probably never show me another one again because he'll, he'll say, I wanted to tell you about this book called Thumbelina, uh, The Culture and Technology of Millennials, written by a French philosopher who's taught at Stanford for 30 years, a gentleman by the name of Michel Cedes. How's that? Sounds more Spanish than French, doesn't it? Serez uh, dubbed the young of our day Thumbelina and Tom Thumb because of that very thing, you know. They're on their phones all the time. And, and they're using their phones to amass knowledge and to stay connected with others of like mind. He's writing in this book, and it's a secular book. If you read it, as David said, I, I just I, you just have to stop after every, every paragraph. It's a very short book. And you can make it a quick read, which I did this week, but you could be processing this information for years and years. And his conclusions, I didn't think were so hot. I don't know. He, he doesn't know. Nobody knows what to do with the world that we live in today. Um, he's writing about the ways that humans have learned over the years and the challenges of the new era. Just think about it. We move from oral transmission to the written page, papyrus, whatever, and that radically changed the way people learn when you could write down the things that you knew. Before that, everything had to be passed down from generation to generation, and we think about how unreliable oral transmission is. You can't believe how absolutely reliable it was at one time, because that's all that people had. And knowledge was passed from one generation to another orally. Then it's on the written page. Then the printing press revolutionized everything. Now, when we talk about the internet being one of the top inventions of all time, all of the list in in 2000, leading up to 2000, where they talked about the great advances in civilization, printing press was overwhelmingly number one on everybody's list. The printing press changed everything about the way that we know and we learn. Learn Montaigne, <coughs> French philosopher in the 16th century, said it's more important now that we've got all of these books to have a good head than a full head. You get the point? I need to know where to go on my library to get the information that I need. Used to, I had to keep it all up here. Regardless of what field I am in, I have to keep it here. Now I can go to my library and get the information I need. Well now, and I, gosh, I meant to keep it with me today. I usually turn it off, and my phone off. And, and, and put, but look, you have a world-class library in your pocket or in your purse right now. Pull it out, and you've got access to knowledge that the great scholars of the ages never dreamed about. You can know anything. With the ridiculously short attention spans that come with the internet though, the concern is that we'll know but not understand. Who processes? Who synthesizes? Who assimilates? What I'm doing here is making a case for the hour and a half sermon. So I just want you to understand where we're going on this. In the past, knowledge was the domain of the knowers. 
Parents, professors taught knowledge to the young. Now, knowledge is available to every single person regardless of age. The young and those without formal training now have as much access to world-class knowledge as anyone. And such access is almost taken for granted. How can it not be? We were talking about this Wednesday night a little bit in our, our, home, our elders meeting. And Professor Wallace was saying, I don't think the younger ones amongst us have any idea that all of this could be gone in a millisecond. And it could be. Tim Metz and I were talking about it Thursday night. He was in town, and Tim is an administrator now for Western Carolina. He used to be at, 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 um, at uh, Campbell, and he said he was at a conference recently, and he looked around, and all of the younger ones were on their phones. The older ones, you know, oh, they'd reach back and pull it out, check, make sure the chancellor of their school wasn't calling, and then they put, the, put it back. But, but the guy was talking, and everybody especially of a certain age and down, was doing this. And of course the response is, but I can multitask. No, you can't. You can't. You absolutely are not able to do all of those things like you should do at one time. Now we're sports fans, you know, we're pretty good. If we got a screen that's got four different, we're keeping up with everything at one time, you know. And women are keeping up with everything at all, all, always at one time. If it's sports, we keep up with it. But other than that, we're in trouble. But Tim, you know, we were talking about what's, what's the hope? How is anybody going to learn to process and synthesize? And our conclusion was an EMP. That's about it. You know, to start over. Fact of the matter is, even though it's hard to imagine, it is a possible. It is possible. There's a, there is a debate as to whether the instant Exponential technological gains pretend a new age of enlightenment or a new dark age. And there are a lot of people that think the latter, that we're heading for that. It's scary. So why all of this talk of technology from the, from the pulpit where a sermon is to be preached, for goodness sake? Because it changes the way we grow up in America and it has changed the way we grow up in God's covenant family. There are changes happening all around us. We need to understand it, but we also need to understand the dangers of growing up the way that society is going. Now, it's crea- the changes have created a society where the young are no long, longer connected to old social constructs like age and gender. You know, it used to be that you'd go, in fact, you go to our older home groups and if they have a meal, you know what will happen? The men will sit at one table and the women will sit at another. That's the way life used to be. The adults and the children. And race and religion and all of those things that used to put us into, as Ceres says, belongings, no longer exist. And Os Guinness talked about this this past year at, uh, at, the, at the commencement speech at, at Trinity, where he said, look, if you're young, your only connection is with other young. And if you don't get past that, we're doomed. The dark age is coming if there is no intergenerational connection anymore so especially this this sermon is especially tailored for those of you who are graduating it's really for all millennials mid-30s mid-teens to mid-30s early to mid-30s somewhere along in there there's plenty for all of us so 
We older ones are stuck in the places that were established for us as children. But our children, particularly our teenagers, are connected to a larger world that we didn't even know existed. And they're far more likely to care what their peers think than what their families think. And and, and you will immediately respond, well, that's always been the case. But not this way. Not the way it is now. It's different now. Way different. Sometimes you read something and you get more than what you read. Your mind is already processing it. David was telling me about something in this book. I looked for it, David. I didn't see it. But it was profound what he said the other day when he said the problem with millennials is, and he's a millennial, you know, right at it, right on the edge there, is that if they're not in control of the conversation, they just put their heads back down and start, go back to their phones. And that's true. So, we are in a radically different world than we were one generation ago. So again, my comments today are primarily directed to millennials. But let me begin by saying that those of us who are older are foolish if we fail to acknowledge and appreciate the world in which God has called you to grow up. Best prayer, right on target. God has established the times and the places for us to grow and we're grateful for these times and places in which the Lord has placed us. All of us, we get to impact this newer way if we understand and if we are allowed. And that's kind of what I want to talk about is you who are younger allowing us who are older, helping us understand and then allowing us to help shape the knowledge that you have into acts that, that, that indicate wisdom has come into play. You have so much to offer to us and to the world and we celebrate the opportunities that lie before you. But then let me offer you a challenge. Seek wisdom within the structures that God has designed for your benefit and acknowledge that wisdom will come from those who were older than you. Wisdom must come from those who were older than you. Ultimately, wisdom comes from God's Holy Spirit, helping you to understand and apply Scripture. But He has designed for this process to occur through the older believers in the family helping the younger believers. And you know what? The people that he's designed to help you are the very people that all of your friends say, don't listen to them. What do they know? I mean, old people have just messed everything up and we need to fix it. Everything you need is at your fingertips. If you fully embrace that line of thinking, you will pay dearly for it. It may be 10, 20, 30 years, but you will deeply regret your decision one day. 1 John 2, 12 to 14 is our text this morning. 1 John was written uh, somewhere around AD 90, making it one of the last New Testament books to be written. Uh, in today's text, we're going to hear John speaking about children. He's speaking to his former church 
<clears throat> I, I didn't I, I actually didn't look this up. I think to, in Ephesus is where it's written in that general direction where John had been the pastor and he's, he, he's speaking with a pastor's heart to them. And using only male pronouns, we're going to see fathers and young men, he's speaking generally in the Hebrew manner of the time and certainly intends for women to be included in the list that he gives. He's talking about stages of spiritual growth. And so see if you agree with that as we read our text. If you would, please stand. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. <clears throat> I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Father, bless the reading of your word. Open our hearts to understand it. And to obey what you have for us in these statements of fact. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Be seated. Little children in this text are new believers. Young men, young women would be just as accurate to say, are growing Christians, those who are growing in their walk with the Lord and who are doing spiritual battle. And then mature believers or fathers know the Lord at a deeper level. So let's think first about this. The youngest believers among us are intensely aware of God's forgiveness of their sins through Jesus. We need their joy. All believers are spiritual babes in Christ when they first come to faith in Jesus, no matter their age. In the early stages of one's walk with the Lord, anything seems possible. I mean, you're, you're going to live for the Lord forever. I mean, look at what he's done for you. And not only that, life is always going to be this easy. My cousin told me two weeks after I was saved, you know, this excitement is going to wear off and you're going to need to be in the Word and be... And I'm like, man, he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's always going to be this good, you know? I mean, I was so in love with Jesus at 18 because my sins had been forgiven. Well, it feels that way at first. The paragraph that we read this morning, 1 John 2, verses 12 to 14, is, is very much like a parenthesis in John's letter to his church. But at first blush, it doesn't necessarily seem to fit in this spot. It is perfectly placed, though. In chapter 1, John disabuses his readers of any notions that Jesus didn't really come in the flesh, that he was just a spirit, someone who seemed to exist. John said, no, no, no. We touched him. Our hands handled him. We saw him. We heard him. We, he was real. 
And then he starts moving. If we are related to him, we walk in light just as he is light. And when we sin, we have a means to be quickly restored to a right relationship with him through, through confession of our sin. And he constantly is forgiving us our sins and, and, and cleansing us from all unrighteousness as we are confessing. Then in John 2, verses 1 to 2, the apostle says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteousness. He is the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice or the, his blood covers our sin, removes our sin, removes our guilt from us. He is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. So it is God's will for his children not to sin. But if, or since they will sin, Jesus stands and argues for his followers. Immediately after these verses, John goes on to say, now, here's how you can know that you belong to the Father, that you have actually placed your faith in Christ, because you will live like him. You will keep his commands. You'll live like Jesus. And then you will love like Jesus. That's how you know you are a Christian. I'm sure that some were doubting their relationship with the Lord very quickly into this letter. Because he's saying, live like Jesus, love like Jesus. That's how you know you are living for uh, the Lord and how you are related to him. But John reminded them of what it was that had brought them such joy in the early days. You have been forgiven on account of his name. Whose name? Jesus' name. The gospel reminds us we can never be good enough to stand before God and be accepted by him. If you have never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, if you've never placed your trust in Jesus, dying on the sin, dying on the cross for your sin, becoming sin for us and God's wrath being poured out on him and saying, thank you, Lord. I know, Jesus, that you took my place and I put my trust in you. My only hope of heaven is for him. Then call on his name. You've never known such joy as you will experience when you know that your sins are forgiven. Wouldn't you love to see some of that fresh joy around here? I mean, wouldn't you love to see people who have come to Christ and just so excited about the ways that God has worked in their lives and forgiven them of their sins? Let's pray. Let's just pray right now and ask the Lord to bring new believers to our body. Father, uh, those of us who were saved at a later age or those of us who were saved young and yet have continued to grow in understanding about what it means to be your child are so grateful that our sins have been forgiven. Father, um, we know that we came to faith in Christ because of the witness and the love of others. I pray that you would help us to ever be mindful of the needs of the people all around us. People need Jesus. We know Jesus. Connect us with those people, Lord.
And in uh, the power of the Spirit, may we share the gospel and see many come to Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. As you know, the joy that comes with the new belief will eventually, as I discovered, (laughs) settle into a more steady relationship with the Lord. It's not an easy transition. But it can be quite exciting as you grow up into Christ and the second stage of spiritual growth begins to take root, which leads us to the second point from our text this morning. The committed youth in our church are waging spiritual warfare in the strength of the word. We need their passion. We need the joy of new believers, but we need the passion of the youth in our church. God has just designed that it be that way. The young have always been at the front of wars, haven't they? I mean, they're the first off the boats, onto the beaches. They're the first out of the plains, into the fields. They're always on the front lines. The young are most often the warriors among us. Now again, the classifications that John provides don't have anything to do with age. You, you could be 78 years old and a, and a little child in Christ because you've just come to the Lord. That's not saying anything negative. It's just the reality. When you are born again, you are a child. But then you begin to grow and you engage this spiritual warfare. It doesn't have anything to do with age, but in a covenant community like ours where lots of children grow up in the church, ages are often structured like this. Little children are, are, are babes in Christ. And then in the teenage years and in the early 20s, the spiritual warfare is engaged. John addresses the growing believers in the church, both male and female, when he says in verses 13 and 14, I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. If you grew up in church, and a lot of you grew up here, at Grace Community Church. I can't believe I've been here long enough to be able to say that, but I've known some of you since you were born, practically. If you grew up at Grace Community Church, then it it probably feels like your faith has been handed down to you. It's kind of like, this is my parents' faith, and, and, and I'm not sure that it's my own. Well, it's time to make it your own. The problem is that everybody your age is saying, no, 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 no. This is not the time to be a religious fanatic. This is the time to party. This is the time to take it easy. This is the time to experience life in ways that you'll never again get to do it. When again are you going to be in college and and, and single and and having fun like this? (laughs) Can I respond to that? No, this is not the time to do that. It is not. It's time for you to realize that you are in a war. It's time to get serious now. Notice that John says the enemy, the evil one who is Satan, has been overcome. And and, and he directly connects this because the warriors have the word of God abiding in them. See, these warriors recognize here, 
is where I find the armor, the strength, the, the, the plans. This is how I know how to fight. And make no mistake about it, it's war. There is so much more militaristic language than I think most of you are aware in Scripture. Not just in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. One day Jesus is coming back and the sword of the word from his mouth is going to destroy his enemies. If you are not with Jesus, you are against him. Well, no, I just haven't chosen. That's not how the Bible characterizes it. You're in or you're out. You're on this side or that side, but there's a war going on. And it's not people we're fighting against. It's not flesh and blood. Be careful not to fight against people. Our enemy is the evil one. <clears throat> you know what I hear older people say all the time? Those old folks amongst us. They say, I just can't memorize scripture. And you know what? They're right. It, there's a time for it, and when you're old, that ain't the time for it. <laughs> The older you are, the more difficult it is to memorize anything, especially where you put your car keys, <laughs> unless you have a little hook. I am heading for disaster, thank God he brought Allison into my life, because I would be heading for disaster. This is the most organized woman in the Western world. <laughs> and God paired her with the most disorganized man in the Western world. You know what else people say to me? Wow. You know a lot of scripture. You know where to find it and everything. And you know what? They're right. And you know when I learned it? 90 to 95% of it between the ages of 18 and 22. Almost everything. Ask me. Come on, test me. I'll tell you. But you know what? I didn't. I, I le learned scripture much deeper in the later years. But I learned it all right then. When I was on fire for Christ. When I was growing. When I was waging war. With the enemy. I'm telling you. You will never again be able to engage the Christian life. Like you will in the next five to ten years that lie before you. See, most everybody's saying, don't waste this time. Use it to, to, to enjoy life. No, don't waste this time. If you don't engage the enemy right now, you'll never get this back. You have the capacity to learn, to take in, to grow like you will never have again in your life. Don't waste it. Get on with it. 30-somethings, Jump in there. You're probably not going to be too successful, but get in there anyway and do your best. <laughs> I was looking at Steven Eisenberg when I said that. Yeah, he's shaking his head, yeah. Just kidding. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will fill you with a passion that will infect our church. We need your passion. We need you to be passionate about the right things. It's the place that God has given you in the family. Let's pray. Lord, oh, there's so much. There's so much that is so difficult in this Christian life. And, and Father, when passions are raging, and teenage and young adult uh, hormones 
It's hard. But it's the time to engage the enemy. And I pray that you will. These guys that stood up on the stage this morning. Lord, I pray for them specifically. That they will desire to be warriors for you. And when they are that, they will recognize that the only hope is you working through them. Holy Spirit, watch over these that we love so much who are going to be gone soon and light a fire in them. Put the word in them, deep in them and help them to grow and to, to wage war well in the Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the ultimate goal for believers in this life is to begin to think and act and look like Jesus, which is the subject of the final point. The mature believers in our family are like the Lord because they know Him so well. To know the Lord, to really know the Lord, is to be like Him. Those who have walked with Jesus for a long time know the Lord at a level that others don't. Look, immediately the spirit convicted me a while ago when I said come on test me about scripture I'm not that's not a I didn't mean for it to be bragging and probably I did because the flesh is going like that but but my point is all the places that I know where I can point to scripture all of that happened when I was young through the years though I, listen, I have probably learned more about God and His Word in the last three to five years than I have the rest of my life combined because I'm going deeper in understanding how all of the connections are made. And that only comes with age and a commitment to study that Word that was your sword in the warfare days. Look, warfare is... For all of us, all older men and women in our congregation still fail. They're still fallen men and women. But they understand things that warriors don't. And they understand things that you need to know. When you're young, it's time to learn as much as you can about God through His Word. But as you mature, you're going to go deeper and deeper into the Word. And that's... What's true in my life is so true of so many people. Jim and Joy Aycock over here. Jack and Suzanne Lucas. Jack Lucas probably... When Jack Lucas talks about Scripture, I'm like, wow. He not only knows Scripture, he knows the God of Scripture. Who's Jack Lucas? Really handsome guy back there. He's lacking a little bit of hair, but he's just right back there. But but here's the deal. You don't know him, shame on you. Not really. I mean, you can't know everybody. But look, Jack was one of our elders. Jim Aycock was a pastor for more years than most of us have been alive. He's 145 right now. (laughs) And still looks like he's 60. They have a lot to share with you if you have the wisdom 
to receive it. Just to say, you know what? These guys have something to say to me is the beginning of wisdom for you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but you're on the way. Well, Ricky Lee's going to take a few minutes to share how mature believers in our body can encourage our young warriors to be strong in the Lord. But look, I, I got to share this. I'm, I'm, and Steve Smoker used to work at TVR, and he probably one of the most creative people I've ever known. Known he was resourceful. That's why he was so creative. But. Steve was there for five years, and when you kids go up there, and when they love it, you cannot believe how much of Steve's thumbprint is on TVR. But he went after five years to be a youth pastor in Virginia, and I asked him after a year or two, I said, so tell me what you've learned about uh, ministry, youth ministry. And he said, well, I've learned this. He said, if kids come from a home where parents love the Lord, you've got a good chance of making a difference in that child's life. If they come from a home where parents couldn't care less about God, you've still got a good chance of making an impact. If they come from a home where they play at it, you don't have a chance. There are exceptions. There are always exceptions. But by and large, that's the rule. Parents... You're probably saying, amen, amen. All this stuff when I'm saying to the youth, you need to do this and the other. You have a huge, huge responsibility to walk with the Lord. Now look, some of you have had kids go astray and that says nothing about you. I'm just, because it doesn't, Steve said, if you walk with the Lord, you've got a good chance of impact. It doesn't guarantee it by any means. When kids get older, They're responsible. Back to the challenge though to the kids, even a child will be known by his deeds, his actions. Proverbs tells us. It's not, I'll I'll, I'll think about that later. Now is the time to think about it. But it's the time for you as well, parents. Be serious about your walk with the Lord. Let me pray for you and Ricky's coming and uh, then we'll have communion and don't even look at the clock, all right? Let's pray. Father, We need your help. We, parents and grandparents in this room, we're, we're sinners. And we like to play at church as much as the next person. And we like to live our own lives. We pray that you would rem- remind us of that heart of the warrior who takes the word and walks into the fires of battle. Draw us to yourself that we might pass along as we were designed to do the beauty of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Woo! Yeah! Wake up! All right. Okay. Better. So, Pastor Brad asked me to come and to share a few ways for you guys to support our student ministry. How can you support students in the body? We've, he's definitely addressed students. He's addressed parents. And uh, now, what, what can you guys do?
to help uh, to help encourage to help support uh, the student ministry and those among us, even the ages. Pastor Brad's talking about fifteen to to, to, to mid thirties in our in our body. So there's a there's a few different ways. First of all, you guys can accept our students as brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, you can you can accept them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And it may be tough though to take students seriously. For some of you guys, that's hard to get past. I mean, you look at you look at students, and I mean, really, honestly, people under the age of twenty five don't even know what a pound sign is, right? <laughs> They're like, what is a pound sign? What is this thing? You mean the tic-tac-toe? No, it's a hashtag. Okay, and then, and then people over 40 do not know what a hashtag is. So it's easy for us to say, man, they don't even know what a pound sign is. They call it hash, hash something. You know, they're, they're, we, don't take them, we don't take them seriously. But really, they have a lot to offer. I mean, the hashtag can take something and can make it a worldwide trending topic in just minutes. I mean, there's, even though things are different than maybe how we do them, they maybe think differently, students have a lot to offer. And we need to realize that students in this congregation, they have a lot to offer. They are, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Just as you, they are a son and a daughter of God. They are beside you as your brother and sister in Christ. So, take time to notice them. All right, take time to notice the students. Whenever you come in, whenever you leave, whenever you're around the, the, the grounds here, take time to notice our students and take them seriously. Okay, don't just write everything off as, oh, well, you know, they'll learn one day, this is whatever they're into. No, take our students seriously. So I can tell you what they are passionate about, what they are dealing with, they're very serious about it, just as you were when you were that age. And it's very serious to them. And there's a lot that can, uh, that can happen from what they're passionate about. So take our teenagers seriously. Notice our teenagers. And even when you, when you think of the word teenager, I mean, uh, Pastor Brad pointed this out to me. That's a pretty new concept. I mean, teenager hasn't always been around. That's, that's pretty new. Usually it's, uh, even in some cultures today, there's, there's child and there's adult. There's grown up. There's, there's not this in between, this, this teenager time. So since it's, a pretty new concept. Maybe the Bible doesn't use the word and address just our teenagers. So with that, then what, then what does the Bible have to say about teenagers? How, how, what, what part of the Bible applies to our teenagers? Well, all of it. All of it applies to them. And the Lord takes their faith seriously. And we too should take the faith we should take our students, we should take them seriously, we should notice them, and consider them, recognize them as the brothers and sisters in Christ that they are. So the second one is to connect with our students intentionally and often. So I grew up in Alabama, and I was blessed to be a part of a church that took discipling students very seriously. And we were, we were kind of a country church, but we were a big church. We weren't near like a big city necessarily. There, there wasn't like a college, a university. So all of our youth leaders were grown-ups. They were adults. And actually, all my youth leaders, their brothers and sisters, I mean, their, their sons and daughters were my friends. All right, so we, we didn't have college students, we didn't have many singles, we didn't have many young couples in our church to be the leaders in the youth ministry. It was parents, that's just how it was. Man, they had an incredible impact on my life. I can't tell you the impact that they had on my life. They were intentional. And you know how they impacted me, what they did? They were there. They were there. Whenever I came to church, they were there. 
whether it was for regular service or for youth service, whenever I called, they answered. Whenever I had a family member that was in the hospital, they came and they showed up. Whenever we went on mission trips, they were beside me and they were sweating just like the rest of us. They were there. They were intentional. So I learned a lot about life because of these people. Because of these moms and these dads, these grown-ups that were in the church, they were intentional to connect with me. They put in the time. And I know for some of you may be thinking, students are just awkward. And honestly, they think a lot of you are awkward. <laughs> you know, and you know you're awkward when you get older. So, and they're awkward too. And maybe, maybe they would just rather text than talk. And maybe some of you would rather text than talk. But students need someone to look them in the eye. And to talk to them. Look them in the eye, even if they don't look back. Let them feel comfortable and talk to them. Ask questions. Yeah, ask questions to our students. Eventually, you'll be able to tell them, well, when I was a kid, not that all of you talk like that, but eventually you'll be able to tell your, your stories. But at first, just start off just asking, asking questions. Letting, letting them know that you care. Be intentional with our students. So not only do we need to be intentional with connecting with our students, we need to do it often. And that's something we allow for here at Grace that works out. We're, we're an inter, intergenerational congregation. Okay, we're not back there having the youth service right now in the back of the church, and then we leave, and then that's it. You get to cross ways with our students. They're in here every Sunday morning. They get to see you worship. You get to see them worship. You have time and greeting time before and after the service to connect to them. We make opportunities available for you guys to connect. We don't just keep them separate. So be sure to connect with our students. Be intentional. Connect with them often. The opportunities are here. And then lastly, support our students prayerfully and practically. You can support them prayerfully and practically. And you may ask, well, how can I, how can I do this? I mean, first of all, we all have the resource of time that we can divvy up and decide how we're going to use it. And for some of you, naturally serving in our student ministry leadership team would be, would be a way Absolutely. I am so grateful for the people who serve with us on Sunday nights. Every Sunday night, we have Benita Pope, Leah Stanley. We have Beth Carter, Rex Rogers, Thomas Ferguson. David Webb was here for a long time. That comes, and they show up, and they are here. They play games. They listen. They talk, and they study the Bible with the kids. That's huge. They're here. And obviously, that is a way that you can invest but also maybe something more practically. Maybe you can't do that. You can't commit to being a small group leader. Maybe, you can, maybe you're free, though, next Saturday when we go serve at the Christian Library International Warehouse in Fuquay. You just want to come. Just come hang out, all right? Not just hang out. We're going to work as we're talking. But that's important just to be there. Maybe, you, maybe you can, you're a pretty good driver, and you want to help drive the students to TVR this summer. I'm still looking for some drivers. We need somebody to take us and drop us off. Maybe you have a big backyard or you have a pool and you have a great place that we could have a Bible study at your place sometime. Maybe that's a way that you can invest and give a little time to our students to give the opportunity to talk, for conversation, for them to see you. Maybe financially. We have three girls that are going to TVR today um, to work for the summer. We have PJ who's about to work at a a camp. And these guys, they, they don't have salaries. They raise support. We have kids who are going to camp Always we have some people who need, who need help. And maybe you can't afford to pay a whole camp fee to send someone to camp, but you can, you can afford to give 20 bucks for a kid that wants to go to a Durham Bulls game with us but can't quite swing it. So there, you can also always give with your time, 
You can give with your resources, which includes money, which may be the home you have. There's definitely ways to practically give. And lastly, but not, uh, but not, I'm not least, is, is praying. You can always pray for our students. Pastor Brad, he spoke with a wealth of knowledge that's at the fingertips of all of us. And when you're young, you just don't know how to handle that. And they have opportunities to engage in sin that you and I never had growing up. The struggle is real. The temptation's incredible. But also the opportunity is incredible. So pray for them, that the Lord will give them wisdom and discernment. Pray for those that um, the Lord is calling, maybe in this room, to invest um, in our students. Pray that they'll respond in obedience. So, turn it back over to Pastor Brad. So, why serve the Lord children, young men and women, fathers and mothers? Uh, because of what he's done for us and because he's returning. And now, little children, abide in him so that we, when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Well, it's time for us to come to the Lord's table to remember why our sins, our sins are forgiven and to find strength for the battle and to anticipate Jesus' return. All of that's happening right here. I'm going to ask our elders and deacons if they would to come forward. And as they come, let me just invite all of you who have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior to join us at this table, even if you're not a member of our church. Uh, after the scriptures read, the servers and the worship team will first partake. Then you will come forward when prompted by ushers on the end of your row. And then please go to the station that's in front of your section. And then you'll go back up either the middle aisle or the outside aisles. 1 Corinthians 11. Paul is writing... And he said, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All the challenge, all the talk about this is where we need to be going, this is what we need to be doing. Apart from Jesus' work in our life, none of us, not only has no hope for heaven, we have no hope that he is watching over every step that we take and divinely, sovereignly taking care of his covenant people. Well, he does in a very general way. His grace is good for everybody. All people are blessed by God's general grace. But when we know him, we can know that every single thing that happen, happens has a purpose, a cause. And he's working it all for his glory and for our good, we thank him for his great sacrifice. Let's pray and give him thanks. Father, this plan that you have is amazing. 
we sinned when our great, great, great ancestors, Adam and Eve, disobeyed you. Because we're part of that family, we fell with them. And we are in a mess. And with all of the advances of this last century, especially with painkillers, Lord, with surgery, with anxiety medication, there are so many things that make our lives better than they could have been. And yet, much of that, uh, Lord, just mask the reality that we are fallen people. And that there is intense pain associated with the choices that we have willingly made in Adam. But when Jesus died on the cross, gave up, his life, after living a perfect life, after as the second Adam, living the life that we should have lived but were unable to, and died the death that we should have died but don't have to, in which we are separated from you for eternity because Jesus took the punishment we deserve. Thank you, Jesus. And as we partake of this bread, We do it in remembrance of you. We participate with your body and blood as we're told in 1 Corinthians 10. We enter into not the same kind of suffering, but we enter into deep communion with you because you suffered on our behalf. Strengthen us through this time and make us keenly aware that there's going to be a day when this ends because you will come back and everything will be made right. Thank you for what this table represents. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you remain standing for the benediction? From Romans 15, 5 through 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, together that you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go in peace.